right, welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast, Broody. How are you doing today? Doing quite well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's ha- hasn't really been that long since uh, since the last time we sat down here and, and chatted, but lots been going on in the NHL here, so we got a lot to uh, dive in here with. Yeah, lots lots picking up in this off season, which is good because God, I hate going. I hate going those like two three week stretches where there's just like nothing going on in the NHL. Yeah, honestly, like, yeah, you kind of get to those points where you hit uh, hit a roadblock and, you know, it's not much happens for, for you know, an extended period of time and you're just kind of waiting for, for the next uh, bit of news to drop. Yeah, we got quite a few since our last episode. Do we want to start with the oh, do we ever? Pierre-Luc Dubois trade and extension? Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the big trade that uh, that happened. Um, you know, what, what what are your initial thoughts on on that deal there. Uh, well, first, I'm just going to outline it for those of you who haven't heard. The LA Kings receive Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the Winnipeg Jets receive Alex Ayafalo, Gabriel Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, a sec- and a second-round draft pick in 2024. So that's a, yeah. that's a pretty steep fr- price for one player. It, it really is, and it's... The, the way I view it is... The LA Kings overpaid twice um, in this deal. Not only did they have to overpay in what they gave up to get Dubois, but I think they also overpaid him in uh, the extension that was given to him. What is it? It's eight years at 8.5? Uh, yes, eight years at 8.5. Yeah, so, I mean, like, you just straight up, he's getting paid more than... Um, Jack Hughes and Tage Thompson are kind of the first two names uh, to come to mind here for me. So, like, that's, you know, I mean, and, and that's not to say he's not a good player, but it's like. Oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's a great not, player. He's not but... worth eight and a half. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty steep price on both the extension and the trade, like you were saying. Like, that, like, Alex Iafalo and Gabe Velarde. I really thought those were two guys that they were kind of building the team around. Yeah, I mean, I, I follow. Like, I think he. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a, you, you know, a good player, and um, he does a lot of things right when he's out there. Um, but I think he's kind of, you know, a fringe top top six winger um, and whatnot. But I think he's mostly kind of more suited for a third line role. But I mean, yeah. Gabriel Velarde, what was he? Um, he was uh, like 11th overall, 12th overall uh, draft pick by the Kings. You know, he took a little bit to kind of really kind of find his game in the NHL, but he really took off this year. So it's kind of surprising that, you know, he's he's really just starting to make an impact and now he's, um, you know, shipped off to Winnipeg. But, you know, he's, yeah. a, he's a good Canadian boy, you know, as, as Don Cherry would say. Um, and he, he seems really excited about... Um, going to Winnipeg and that's not something that you know we've really we haven't really seen much of that lately where players are actually you know excited to go to Winnipeg and want to be there so that that's a very good sign for Winnipeg that Velarde's really embracing this and is excited to be a part of uh, what Winnipeg's building moving forward yeah it's I I think some people it could be definitely easy to underestimate especially in some of the smaller Canadian markets how important it is to have guys who genuinely want to be there and want to be a part of your organization. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, like you said, he was he's like just recently found his game. And it's not like he took forever, you know. He's 23 right now. He's an 11th overall from the 2017 draft. But like he's he, he honestly, like I really don't think they needed to go a ton past uh him and a second and like too much more. Like yeah, Velarde or Ayafalo definitely could have been a part of this deal. I'm surprised it was both of them and more. Yeah, and you know, everybody talks about um, you know, Ayafalo and Velarde, but Rasmus Kupari, he was also uh, a, a former first round pick for the Kings. You know, he he's really kind of struggled um in the NHL. Um, but he has been putting up, you know, progressively better and better numbers um in the American hockey league. So you know, maybe it's just one of those guys where they, the Kings maybe just weren't using him in the right role. And he is a centerman, so that's also kind of, you know, there there wasn't much room for him to, you know, get up in the lineup with the Kings and be in his role where he belongs. Um, again, I'm going to go back to it. Like I said, with uh, talking about Tage Thompson, we saw with Tage Thompson earlier in his career, you know, he he, he was always kind of... He was a natural centerman, but in the NHL, he was used as a winger for the most part. And once Buffalo finally allowed him to go back to being a center where he's comfortable, you know, we just saw him take off like, like fireworks. It was incredible. So I'm hoping with Kupari, you know, um, I think Shifley, it kind of sounds like Shifley's done in Winnipeg. Dubois now now out of there. So it gives Kupari a chance to come in and, and be a solid centerman for Winnipeg and really, you know, elevate his game and potentially, you know, turn into a really good player. Cause again, like he, he was a first round pick for a reason. So he's got the skill to, to do it. Yeah. Uh, definitely agree with all of that. Like, and I'm just uh, right here. I've got the stats pulled up for Ayafalo and Velarde. Uh Gabe Velarde last season, 41 points and 23 goals. It doesn't exactly jump off the page, but that's not bad. That's also in 63 games. I was going to say, because he he missed some time with an injury. 30 goals, 55 points, something like that. Yeah, and and follow. Sorry. uh, I follow 59 games, 36 points. So he's probably also on pace to hit around 50, 55 points. Yeah, and and you look at Winnipeg, and again, another guy, Blake Wheeler, it sounds like probably a buyout is going to happen um, yeah. in the end for him, which is kind of a tough way to see him, you know, go. He's been a big part of that franchise. But Velarde, you know, they, 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 I think he can play center, but I think he's more naturally a, a right winger. And so, you know, you get him, you know, if you can convince Shifley to maybe stick around, and, you know, you put Velarde with... Uh, you know, like a Shifley and a Kyle Connor or something like you could see, you could see just an insane growth from Velarde um, in his production with the Jets next year as well. So, you know, I mean, I think as of right now, the LA Kings got the better player, but Winnipeg, Winnipeg just smashes trade. Like I love this trade for Winnipeg. They've been losing, you know, a lot lately as a franchise, but this was a very, a very big bright spot for them. Yeah, not to mention the fact that their hand was kind of forced. This is almost uh, in a way similar to the Kachuk trade we saw last offseason where 
the GM's hands were kind of tied. Everyone knew Dubois wanted out. And at the time, it seemed like he only wanted to go to one team. It seemed like it was Montreal or nothing. And well, he ended up not only getting earlier. it to a... Yeah, like, it's, it's a really well-done job on this trade. The, the, the part I just find weird is, like, you look at LA, you know, they, it sounds like Kopitar, they've already got Kopitar. He's kind of their guy still. They've also got uh, Philip Deneau, and now you've got Dubois. So, like, that's a really solid, you know, one, two, three um, up the middle. But you got to find ways to get enough ice time between these guys because, you know, they're all, they all deserve uh, their respected amount of ice time. So you, got, you still have to find a way to allow all of them to, you know, um, thrive in their respective roles of which, whatever way you want to do it with the three of them. Yeah, well, not to mention, who knows when Quinton Byfield is going to break out. Because he was, I think he's been he, playing some wing on, with, for, uh, for the Kings. But naturally, he's a centerman. And I think his play style really benefits from him playing that position. Yeah, because he's, he's a big body. And I think, again, yeah, he's one of those guys that naturally is better as a centerman. But with this move, I mean, you know, it looks like he's, he's destined to be a winger as long as he's on the Kings, it seems. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's a that's a really solid top three, and I don't know if any of those. I don't. I don't think any of those top three centers would translate over to the wing as well as Byfield would. The the only point. guy you the only guy you could would be Dubois, like Kopitar and Dano are some are two of the better um, two way centers in the league. You yeah. know, they, they can do it all. They can put up points for you, but they can also hold it down in their own end. Like you, and, and they're good at face-offs. So you can't take either one of those guys out. Like Dubois would have to be the one to shift if you were to, to move Byfield in, I think. Right. How old is uh, Kopitar? Like, uh, does, he got, does he got quite a bit of time left? I mean, I guess he, uh, spoiler alert for later in the episode, but uh, he just won a league award again, so... He's turning thirty. Like he's, on his way out. he's turning thirty six in August, so you know he's, he's getting up there. Yeah, so you've probably only got you know in this day and age, and like I'd cap it at probably five years max for him. Right. I'd say you're probably going to get another five years. Um, so, and know. he's probably not going to be you know playing first line minutes that entire time. Probably will for the next two or three. But yeah. eventually, they all start falling down the lineup. Also, but, just um, before we move on to the next uh, topic, just staying on the LA Kings, also worth noting, they traded um, defenseman Sean Dursey to the Arizona Coyotes for a second-round pick. And, you know, again, I think that's a phenomenal uh, acquisition for the Coyotes. You know, Dursey's still a really young defenseman. Um, phenomenal speed. He's such a fun player to watch. And he's really now coming into his own, like, you know, he just put up 38 points in 72 games uh, as a member of the Kings. So um, I'm I'm really high on him. He's such a fun player to watch. And he's a right shot defenseman, which, you know, teams are really, uh, really trying to get because they're, there's, you know, they're kind of hard to come by right now in the league. So or at least ones of, of a higher skill level, at least. So yeah. that's a that's a great trade for the Coyotes. And I think he's going to be a a great guy on the blue line for them. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, I get they need to, they wanted to shed some cap, but 
I mean, a defenseman who can put up 40 points, like that's as a right-handed shot, like that's that's really valuable. I'm surprised that they just traded him away like that. I, I think the biggest reason was because, again, kind of like with um, Kopitar, they still have Drew Doughty there. And then they've also got Brant Clark coming up. So, and I think that they also right. have uh, Jordan Spence. So they're really, they're really kind of just running out of room. And, you know, as good as Dursey was, he was just kind of the odd guy out at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, just a cap casualty. Yeah. But enough about the LA Kings here. Uh, what, what, what do you got next on the agenda here for us? Uh, next, we got the Timo Meyer extension. Yeah, Signs that was the a devil's eight years point for 8.8 mil. That's, yeah, that, that's pretty that's good a for good deal. both of them. And I'm, I'm surprised by it. Um, just because, again, you know, kind of went back to they really didn't want to pay anyone more than Jack Hughes. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, the devils kind of realized they were at a point where, you know, Meyer just, you know, between with San Jose, who was a bad team, and then with the devils, he just put up 40 goals. So how can you, you know, try to undervalue him and be like, you know, try, you don't, you, like, there's no way Meyer was going to commit to a long-term deal, but get underpaid because he knows what he's worth. And I think the yeah. Devils finally realized, like, yeah, if we want him around long-term, we're going to have to pay him what he's worth. Um, and I think, it, I think that's still a phenomenal deal, you know, um, yeah. for, both, for both Meyer and the Devils moving forward. I don't know how much more it would have been, but I think he probably gets nine or more mil on the free agency market. Yeah, I think I if, think, if I think it was he a good was, amount. yeah, I think if he was a UFA and did go to free agency, I think there is a team that would have offered him at least nine. It could have maybe got up to like the nine point two five range, um, but you know, I think eight eight point eight for eight years is is a fantastic deal for him. Yeah. And, and again, he doesn't just bring the points and the goals. Like he's also, yeah. you know, he he drives the play on the line he's on. He he gets in there, he grabs the puck, he plays a mean game. Yeah, that's I was just a, gonna say he brings that physicality wants. as well, which is is hard to come by for you know skill guys. Kind of again, kind of like a Dubois. You know, is a not only can they put up the points, but they do bring that physical aspect and grit to the game as well. Right. All right. Uh, next on the docket here, we got uh, Kaylor Yamamoto and Clem Costin getting traded to Detroit for future considerations. And that's yeah, it. that's that's a great trade for for Detroit. You know, um, it, it it just Winnipeg or not Winnipeg, um, Edmonton. They just ended up, you know, kind of between a rock and a hard place. Um, you know, they really, really like cost in there. He was a fan favorite, but he was just asking for a little bit too much and deservedly. So he had a great year and Edmonton, you know, they've, they've got to worry about um, future contracts to get out. They still have to work out something with Evan Bouchard. So, you know, and they were already, already trying to get rid of, you know, Yamamoto and his contract as it was. So I think Costin just kind of was thrown in there as like the sweetener rather than a draft pick because they knew they weren't going to be able to um, Keep him give anyway. him what he felt he was worth. Yeah, so right, Costin was basically like the you know the second or third round pick they would have had to attach to get rid of Yamamoto. Right, 
and in that own right, you know, as much as it sucks to give up a guy like that, it also sheds his cap. So it's yeah, exactly right. For the Oilers, but that's just the position they're in at this point. Yeah, and that's you know, it's the problem you run into when you know, again, like I said from the very beginning, you're paying Darnell Nurse a shitload of money. You know, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna run into that issue, and you know, this this is the first of um, casualties on the team that that are a result of that. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just want to throw this in there since you brought it up. Uh, who would you rather have, uh, Darnell nurse or Seth Jones? Uh, um, wow. That's actually a really good question. It's, yeah, I, I think, I think it's fairly close, but I, I do think there is, there's a better player there. I, th- I think I would take Seth Jones. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because you know what, he... I mean, he's, he was so, so fucking bad on Chicago. But again, what did he really have to play with? You know, he, he was never really in a position to succeed from the moment he got there. Um, and we've seen flashes of brilliance from him with Columbus and even, you know, Nashville, where, where he first started. Um, you know... I love the physicality that Nurse brings, but I think as a standpoint for a defenseman as a whole, I would take Seth Jones. Yeah, yeah, completely. But, but it is close, I think. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty close there. All that was, right. a, that was so a good did... one, though. That was a good, good one. Yeah. Good I, uh, are, do they have the exact same cap hit? Are they both nine point five, or is one of them like nine point two five? I think Nurse is, I'll pull it up here just to double check, but I'm pretty sure Nurse is an even, even nine mil. Um, oh, that's still. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, the still, league, still, that's still not contracts. good. Um, Darnell Nurse, 9.25, so right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got one more noteworthy trade here. Probably missed a couple. Over the oh, last and then week, just, but, uh, just to finish it off there, uh, Seth Jones is 9.5. So they're pretty much the same. Right. They're not you know what, maybe off. 250 grand? Maybe that's exactly how much better Seth Jones is. Yeah, honestly, actually, yeah. Both overpaid, uh, but... Uh, that's, that's just how it goes sometimes when, yeah. when you got GMs throwing the money around. Yeah. All right, uh, last trade I got written down here. We got uh, Corey Perry being traded earlier today to the Chicago Blackhawks for a seventh round pick next year. And just some yeah. of the some of the cap cap dump trades that have gone on recently, and that how much people are having to pay to get rid of. Uh, it's funny that Tampa was able to get a seventh and not you know have to pay to get rid of them or just get nothing. Um, and Corey Perry, from what I'm seeing, he is signing with the Blackhawks. He is. Don't look it up. I'm going to give you one guess on what you think the contract is. Oh, are there numbers out there already? Yeah, it's it, it, it's not confirmed, but it sounds like it's pretty much a done deal. All right. At, well, at this gotta current be, moment. It's got to be one or two years. There's no way he's signing more than two. I'm going to guess... Oh man, it can't be much, dude. He just played he just played two years with us for like I think it was like eight hundred K. 
Uh, the Blackhawks are weird. I'll go like 1.2 mil a year for two years. So, so from what I'm from what it sounds like, it's a one year deal. One year, okay. Ready for this? I don't think you're ready what did for they this. Do? I I'm worried. What did they do? Four million dollars. <laughs> the, the the exact the exact deal they just gave um Nick Felino. <laughs> Holy crap, that's amazing. Now, Dude, I will say this paid. though. I will say this though. Um, also worth noting that, uh, Boston shedded cap to send Taylor Hall to Chicago as well with Nick Felino, So they have Corey Perry, Nick Felino both signed one year, 4 million. I mean, it's very similar to what Edmonton did when they got Connor McDavid and now Chicago with Connor Bedard. They're bringing in Nick Felino and Corey Perry, um, you know, Two, two guys who are, you know, big, strong players, good veterans who can teach Bedard, but can also fight and be guys to protect him. Right. Absolutely. Also, wasn't yeah. it um, in the, the playoffs when uh, Tavares got hurt off that freak accident with Corey Perry when he's on Montreal? Wasn't it Nick right. Foligno that told Corey Perry, like, we have to fight, and then they dropped the gloves, and Felino just beat the shit out of him? I think it, I think it might have been. Yeah, they were. I think it was. So not, now, now they're teammates, and they're, they're going to battle to protect uh, Bedard there. So, But yeah, uh, one, as it sounds, one year for four mil for, for Corey Perry. That's, that's wild. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like they're going to be up against the cap in this next year, so it's not like it matters, but... Well, it's, and exactly. it's still funny to look at them get that. Yeah, and I think a big part of it was they had to find a way to, you know, get to that cap floor at least. Because really, what, they're paying Seth Jones a shit ton of money, like we talked about. But, you know, throughout the rest of the team, there was not, you know, and now with Taves and Kane, you know, they're, they're huge salaries off the books. They need to find a way to get to that cap floor at least, so these deals will help them uh, reach that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, yeah. I, well, didn't they buy out? Didn't they buy out a contract earlier today? Didn't they buy out like Josh Bailey or something? Yeah, actually. Uh, yeah. The Islanders sent Josh Bailey in a 2026 second rounder um, to, to Chicago. And then Chicago did buy out Josh Bailey. So there is a little bit of cap that, that goes there as well. So. Is he like bad enough to warrant to buy out? I haven't really. I don't. I don't think to. so. So, like, don't get me wrong. Josh Bailey is is still um, a good player. You know, I think he just. You know, I watch a lot of Islanders games, and his effort level is just slowly kind of um, de- decreased over time. And then the Islanders obviously got lots of you know good wingers and. Um, young guys who are coming up. So Josh Bailey just kind of got pushed out of the lineup. Um, right. I, I guess he just, they felt he didn't fit the mold of what they were trying to, to start building there in Chicago. But yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Bailey where he ends up, but I thought that was kind of weird that, that they bought him out when I thought he'd also be a good guy to um, kind of teach Bedard and show him the ropes of, of, you know, um, coming into the NHL and uh, learning the game more. 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, obviously he's already got, you know, Felino, Taves, Corey Perry, but, you know, more, more guys and veterans is never a bad thing for knowledge, you know. They're, I'm sure yeah, there's exactly. at least one thing that Bailey's figured out that none of these other guys have seen before, you know, I'll even if it's some neat new way to, you know, tape your stick or something like that, you know. You pick yeah. up a lot of tricks being around for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's also, I'm thinking, because um, Chicago also got Taylor Hall. So I'm thinking right. Taylor Hall throughout his career, the amount of first overall picks in their um, rookie years that he's played with is insane. Because what is it? He played <laughs> with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Nail Yakupov, um, Connor McDavid, then with New Jersey, I think I'm pretty sure he had Heesher and Hughes. Heesher and Hughes. And now. And now Bedard. Bedard. Yeah. Like. Missed a couple in the middle years there, but I mean, he was also on teams that it's like he could have been playing with the first, first overall, you know, if, uh, if yeah. Arizona got lucky. Yeah, honestly, right? So, I mean. You know, he's had his fair share of good players to play with. And, you know, again, he was just, it kind of sucks. He was finally actually committed to a team with Boston and seemed like he finally settled down and unfortunately just became a, a cap casualty as they wanted to sign Bertuzzi. But it sounds like even Bertuzzi now is is hitting for agency. So, um, but hey, maybe Hall finds a good landing spot there with Chicago and can make some magic happen with Bedard for, you know, however many years. Yeah, I mean, he seemed to find his game a decent bit there in Boston. He played pretty well. That's, uh, that's a real good chance to, you know, if you could get on the power play with a guy like Bedard and Corey Perry, like, that would be, that'd be a pretty sweet way to maybe see if you can get a couple extra dollar signs on your next contract. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then just the, the, the last trade to just kind of just mention before we move on, um, the... Vegas Golden Knights, they traded uh, Riley Smith to um, the Pittsburgh Penguins right. for a third-round pick. So, uh, you know. Just a, another cap casualty. We'll be, we'll be saying that quite a bit over the next yeah. few weeks. And, and, and that one's funny because at the trade deadline, um, Pittsburgh traded Teddy Bluger to Vegas for a third-round pick. And it was that same third round pick that Pittsburgh then ended up sending back to Vegas for Riley Smith. So it was essentially Teddy Bluger for uh, Riley Smith, which huh. I mean, for, for Pittsburgh, that's a that's a phenomenal deal there, I think. Yeah, that's, like that's and that's, that's also good, uh, Kyle Dubas's first move um, with the Penguins there. Yeah, so, actually, and I mean, he's not, why, why not? Start. Bringing a bringing a guy fresh off a cup win, you know his his cap hit isn't like great, but it's not like horrible. He's get, he's making somewhere between like four and five mil, right? Yeah, I, th I think he's making five mil even. Yeah, like that's not that's not terrible. It's not immovable if you need to get rid of it later on. And I, th I think he's only got like two years left or something. So. And, and obviously Pittsburgh's, you know, they're still in, in win now with, you know, Crosby, yeah. Malkin, Latang. Like, they're, they're trying to get 
um, one more at least with with that core. And Smith's a great addition to that team. Yeah, when you have when you have the guys uh, with the skill and the pedigree of Crosby, Malkin, Latang, uh, unless you really feel like this can't happen, we have to absolutely blow it up like they did with the Blackhawks. Uh, you just yeah. you got to go for it every year, and it could definitely still happen. They got enough good guys, you know. They also got Jake Gensel. I feel like he does not get talked about as much as he should around the league. He's a he's a really yeah, good goal no. scorer. And that's that's so crazy to think that you know the Crosby Malkin duo was formed um, before the Taves and Kane, and you know both both duos have uh, won three cups um, each, and you know now we see one duo is is completely done, uh, and the other one you know they're still trying to to keep going and push for that fourth. Yeah, that's it's really impressive that they've uh, they've kept those three together as long as they have. I'm pretty sure yeah. I saw a stat. This was this was quite a few months ago. It's just one of those uh, stat pictures that like sports uh, Sportsnet puts up on like their Instagram. But I think they're the trio that has played the most consecutive seasons together in the NHL at this point. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, between between Crosby, Malk, and Latang, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, what do you got, what do you got next to, for us? Uh, I got one more trade. We might just keep picking up trades as we remember them. But uh, I cannot believe I forgot about this. But uh, Ross Colton, Tampa Ooh, trades that's right, yeah. from, from Tampa to Colorado for the 37th overall pick this and year. Tampa got a pretty good player with that pick, didn't they? Yeah, they drafted Ethan Gauthier. Yeah. Uh, by all accounts, he looks like he's going to be pretty good. I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes, but he, he kind of looks like he has that uh, Braden Point, Brandon Hagel style of play. You know, he's a smaller, fast, skilled guy. You know, Tampa Bay loves those guys, so that's that's a great fit uh, for them. Yeah, uh, he was uh, he was also he uh, he got interviewed and he was saying that he uh, brings a lot of speed, skill and grit to his game. And he said that uh, everyone on uh, the Tampa Bay subreddit was loving this next quote that he models his game after the Kachucks and Yanni Gord. And oh, as really? Soon as, as soon as any of us hear that he models his game after Yanni Gord, it's like, I will run through a wall for this man. Yeah. Because Gord was definitely a fan favorite. And that's not a very, like, common player for guys to be like, I want to model my game after them. You know, you hear lots of guys being like, you know, I, I really look up and try to be like Sidney Crosby or... Right. Or, or X and Y, but like... Yeah, to go, Eric Carlson. Like, want to be a guy like, you know, Yanni Gord is... is that's pretty cool to see, actually. Yeah, he, uh, it's, uh, it's especially good to know when, you know, guys know, know the kind of role that they can play for a team like that. Like, you know, sometimes you'll hear some fourth-line fringe NHLer be like, yeah, I try and play a lot like Patrick Kane. And it's like, well, I, I don't know if you can quite do that, but you can try. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So... That's 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 an int- that's a good pick though for the Lightning. I I think that's gonna he's gonna be a good player for them. You know, um, whenever he makes a transition to the NHL. But as of right now, that's I'd say that's a pretty even trade for both sides. I think I think it works out well for both. Yeah, 
I think I think it works well for both sides. I think they're going to absolutely love Ross Colton over there in uh, Colorado. And uh, I, considering we probably had to lose Colton anyway to just, you know, another cap casualty, uh, I figured we'd probably get a good amount less. I figured we might get like a fourth and a fifth or maybe a third. So to get a really high uh, second round pick, that was, uh, that was pretty good. Oh yeah, for for sure, yeah. What do we? Uh, All right. I, I I don't got any more trades, and I think I'm fresh out of them. Yeah, I think kind of uh, ran the well dry. I think I'm done for that. Do we want to? Do we want to move on to the draft, or do we want to talk about the awards? Um, we can kind of just brush over the awards quickly. I don't think there's too much to to fully dive in, um, with those. Do you think do you think it's worth cutting up into into two episodes? We can do one one uh, with this stuff and the awards, and then maybe do a separate draft one, or vice versa. Yeah, you know what? I, I yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. Make make it easier on the listeners and not have it all jam packed. Kind of space it out a bit. Right. All right. Let's let's do let's do the draft. Well, right now, while it's fresh and we're well, talking about. Yeah, because you know, yeah, day day two of the draft just wrapped up today, so um, it's all still nice and fresh. So it's probably best to yeah get our get our immediate reactions here on, um, you know, all, all that went down kind of for it. All right, so we'll probably just go through the top ten ish, a couple other steals of the draft, and uh, there were there were some shockers in this one. There there, there was, was yeah really it was. It did not. I'm I'm so glad I didn't go on Twitter or anything and put out a a mock draft or anything because I would have been so wrong on so many picks. So I'm very very thankful that I I held back and decided to not do that. All right. So first we have obviously uh, Chicago took Connor Bedard with the first overall pick. Really? Pretty. Uh... Wow. Pretty, uh, pretty obvious. Everyone knew this was happening. Like, yeah. Some things you're pretty sure about, some things you know about. And yeah. we all knew they were taking Bedard. Yeah, that one's, that one's a no-brainer. They, they've now got their, their new face of the franchise, you know, now that they're in the post-Taves-Kane uh, era. Um, they've now got their new guy to, to grow with for, you know, the next however many years so that's yeah that's like that's a very good start to the rebuild here for chicago yeah uh a lot of people were saying that uh this year the the real draft would start at uh pick number four or five but it started at two started at two ducks, yeah the yeah. ducks selected leo carlson yeah um so that one to me i was i was pretty shocked by it at the time um, you know, just cause ev- again, everybody, you know, kind of thought that, uh, Adam Fantilli was, was going to be the second overall pick. Um, but you know, it really sounded like Fantilli really wanted to go to Columbus. Um, and there's another right. player later on that we'll talk about kind of the same way. I don't know if he necessarily made that apparent to Anaheim or if it was just Anaheim was just higher on Carlson. Um, but you know, I, I think between the two, I, I don't think you could go wrong either way. Um, I'm I'm sure you've got you know a couple players on the Ducks that are a little bit crushed that 
you know, they're not getting their buddy Fantilli there, but they're still getting a phenomenal player in, in Leo Carlson. Yeah, it's hard to hard to be upset with the if you view it as a consolation prize when that guy's still Leo Carlson. Like he he looks like he's gonna be an absolute stud. Oh yeah, he he's gonna be a big part of, of Anaheim's future for sure. And then Fantilli, you know, um like I said, he really he he really wanted to go to Columbus, which is is huge for them. Uh, because again, you know, like we've seen before, not many players wanna stick around in Columbus and um be there long term. So if they can get, you know, a you can almost call Fantilli kind of a franchise guy, um, to come in there and, you know, be their go to guy and he wants to stay there. Like that that's a huge um a huge yeah. steal for that for that franchise moving forward. Yeah, it's always hard to, you know, you don't want to put too much of a label on guys before they come in, but uh as it, you know, as it stands right now, it looks like he could very well be a franchise piece for them. Like not yeah. just a first liner, but like, you know, a guy that in four four to seven years could be contending for the heart trophy, things like that. Like he looks like he's gonna be that good. Yeah. And they've, you know, they've they've got the pieces in Columbus now. He, he like he's already got a couple buddies over there that he's he already knows that he's gonna get to play with. They still have uh Wierenski, Goudreau, Line, so like Fantilli's gonna have a good group, you know. Um whether it's, you know, next season he he plays for them or if it's the following one, whenever he comes over, he's gonna have a good group of guys there to to play with. Yeah, they still got uh Kent Johnson there from the from uh, Michigan. Yeah. Yep. They, I think uh, following this draft, I think we're going to see uh, absolutely meteoric rise from Columbus. I don't know if it's going to yeah. be this year, but I think at some point in the next three years, we're going to have that breakout season for Columbus like we saw with the Devils. They're, they're going to yeah. absolutely skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before, you know, only eight teams get in out of the East and three of those teams, you know, pretty consistently are going to be New Jersey, Buffalo and Columbus, which is something we well, within the, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, we, we haven't gotten. So to think that those three teams are kind of, are going to be, you know, consistent uh, playoff teams is, is, is going to be quite a sight to see moving forward. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, Man, if some of the teams in the East don't start, especially the Atlantic, if they don't start falling off fairly soon, the East is going to be an absolute bloodbath. If if they can keep on top of their stuff and these other teams start getting the young guys into the lineup and getting much better, like it's already crazy how good the East is right now. Oh yeah, for sure. And then I guess you know what? I mean, they they didn't um draft anybody in the first round this year, but even a team like Ottawa, you know, they're they're knocking on the door of getting back into the playoffs and so you know, the the East is really going to start to become competitive here next year. All right. At uh, number 4, of course, we have the San Jose Sharks taking Will Smith. Yep. I assume you got a lot lot to say it, on this guy. Or at so, least your hopes for him. Obviously on Twitter there's a lot of Sharks fans, you know, pissed off and rah rah that like they didn't take Meechkov. We knew they weren't. 
it was it was very clearly evident, you know, in the days leading up to the draft, it was going to be Will Smith. There was really no other option. Um, you know, kind of with Michkov, we now know he was um, dead set on going to Philadelphia. As crazy as that is, I don't know if he's just a big gritty fan or or what, but he he was he was dead set on playing for the Flyers. Even to the point where he told the Arizona Coyotes, I have no desire to play for your franchise. I don't want to be there. Like he was purposely tanking his draft stock to fall to seven to go to Philly. I tell you and, what, uh, Arizona might want to consider getting used to hearing that if they keep running things the way they are. Exactly right. But Will Smith is, is a fantastic player. Um, you know, you, you look back at, you know, recent draft years, the last couple ones. He probably goes in the top two. Like he, he is a he's a very good player. Um and you know, he's exactly what the Sharks needed. And I don't think they really wanted to wait the three years for Michkov. And, you know, he didn't really want to go there. So I, I think Will Smith is a fantastic pick for them. Um in terms of when they get him, I know he's committed to Boston College for next year. So he's at least one year away, might be two, but we're just gonna kinda have to wait and see. But when he when he comes over and starts playing for the Sharks, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a big part of their team moving forward. Yeah, and that honestly, you know, that could be a blessing in disguise, him staying back there, you know. It's not like uh, San Jose is looking to be super competitive this next year. So you know what? Go and play twenty three, twenty four, twenty five minutes a night in Boston and really hone your game. And when you get to the NHL, come out like gangbusters. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause you know, you look at those guys, if he, if he signed with San Jose and came over, you know, where, where do you put him? Is he, if he's in the, if you know, if he's playing in the NHL, he's third liner at most. Cause you know, you still got Kachur and hurdle or he's in the AHL. So, you know, a year in, uh, Boston College to just improve and get better, and then when he comes over, he can be a real um, impact player. You know, I, th- I think is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic way to go about it for both him and the Sharks. Yeah, I think any player, young player of a skill set and skill caliber like that, they need to make sure. Unless they're, you know, like Connor Bedard's obviously going to go straight to the NHL, but uh, a lot of them need to be careful of rushing to the NHL. Because yeah. if he rushed in and was on the third line, you know, it's probably <laughs> chances are he's not only not going to be playing with, uh, you know, great players on the third line, uh, but he's not going to be playing with players of his type. You know, if they're running a checking line and you're throwing this high skilled young guy on there, it's really not going to help him grow the type of game that he wants to grow into. Like they need to be yeah, ready exactly. to get into the first or second line as soon as they get in. Unless they're, you know, just playing a couple minutes on the fourth line and then getting some power play time or something. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, I think that's a great pick for the Sharks. As pissed off as their fans might be that it's not Meechkov, you just need to realize we all knew that he wasn't going to San Jose. That was, you know, it was very clearly not going to happen. Will Smith is a fantastic player, um, so there's nothing to be upset about with that. Yeah, I mean... Might, might really he, fucking sting in, like, five years or so when Michkov comes over. But, again, he didn't want to... 
he wanted to play for Philadelphia. Like, you know, when a player dictates where they want to go, like, you got to realize, even if you got him, he probably, after his entry-level deal, he'd probably want out anyways, so... Yeah. You take the guy who wants to be there and is still a really good player. Still a very good player. I wonder how many people are looking at things like the, uh, funny enough, also involves Philly, like the Eric Lindros trade. And they're like, well, if the guy doesn't want to play there, you just pick him and then trade him there. Yeah, but, you know, how often are you going to get a trade return like like the uh, Nordiques or the Avalanche got there? Like, it's... Well, and, they, and there was even teams that had Michkov on their do-not-draft list because they had character concerns with him. And, you know, maybe, again, maybe that's... I'm assuming that's probably teams like, you know... San Jose, Montreal, Arizona, maybe even Columbus. Um, Because, you know, we kind of knew he was going to go at least in the top 10. He he wasn't going to fall further than that, especially um, I think Washington would have loved to take him. I think Washington 100% would have taken him um, if he was available available there. I'm really upset that Ryan Leonard didn't go to Philly, though, because, again, I just thought he was a perfect fit there. I thought he yeah, would have been he, such a perfect fit for Philly. Um, but, you know, Michkov, he, he's going to be a great player for them still. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number five, another pretty shocking pick at the time. Uh, yeah. Montreal takes David Reinbacker. Shocking pick. Carey Price forgot his name. He was so shocked when they told him who they were taking. <laughs> I think he, I think he uh, like, stuttered because he was like, are we really doing this? Like. It was just, it was just, I just did, really didn't think that that's the route Montreal was going to go down. But, you know, they kind of need defense, and Rhinebacker was the best defenseman in the draft. So, you know, say what yeah. you want about it. it. It's what Montreal needed, so they went out and addressed it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's easy to say that, you know, oh, he maybe he should have gone around eight or nine or something, but... You know, if he turns out to be the best defenseman out of an entire draft, like, surely he's going to be at, at minimum a top four guy, probably a top two, right? Like, I would, that's, I would assume that's so. Hard to turn that down. Well, and again, um, much like San Jose fans, I think Montreal fans were just, you know, um, again, they just really wanted Michkov. And when they didn't get him, they were upset. But again, Michkov didn't want to go to Montreal either. So, you know, you, you take what your team needs and t- moving forward, and Rhinebacker is the perfect fit for them. Yeah, looking at, uh, like, you know, things like, uh, you know, when Kachuk wants out and, you know, when guys like Line or Dubois want out, you know, it's, you, it's hard to look at something like that as a general manager and just be like, oh, maybe it'll be different for us. Like, if the guy says he specifically wants to play somewhere, you know, an Adam Fox, you just have to give someone up like that. Like, that still sucks. So might as well just draft a guy who's actually going to play for you. Exactly, right? And, yeah, there's, there's not much more to say on it. Like, that's, that's still a great pick for Montreal. Um, obviously, you know, a guy like Michkov would have been great there. But, you know, you've, you've got a guy like Cole Caulfield who's going to put up those goals for you. You don't need two of those guys. You need surrounding pieces around that, you know, elite goal scorer. Yeah. Uh, at sixth overall, we have the first 
shocking pick from Arizona. Uh, Dmitry Simishev. This yeah. One, this um, one was wild. That was really off the board, wasn't it? Wasn't he supposed to go like like 20th or something? I I kind of had him in the um kind of the thir- like 13th overall range I think is where I had him kind of put. Okay. That's not um, that's not crazy early. But but again, yeah, um you know, I'm not again. I, like I said, I thought Ryan Backer was was going to be the guy for Arizona because I kept saying they need a defenseman. You know, the the Ekman Larson era was over. It was supposed to be Chickering's team. Now, obviously, that didn't work out. Um, so you know, I th- I think if Ryan Backer was available, I think they would have went with him. But at the same time, I also don't because they took. Um, Simashev at six, and then they also took Daniil Boot 12th, and they come from the exact yeah. same team. They're already teammates and buddies. So I almost wonder if kind of that's the reason they went with Simashev at six is because they wanted those two guys who already have that connection, that friendship, and bring them over kind of together. Um, much similar to the way that when San Jose traded back last year. Um, at the tail end of the first round, they took Philip Beestead, and then early in the second round, with the other pick they got, they took uh, Matthias Havland. Um, again, a f- foreign and defenseman, both from the same team, and now it looks like they're bringing both of them over um, next year to, you know, kind of stay together and um, continue to build that chemistry between the two. Yeah, I definitely think that once they took one, they were like, we have to take the other. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a really good video going around of uh, Simashev. He was getting interviewed, and then uh, while pick number 12 was being brought up to the stage, and they asked him who he thought was going to get drafted. And uh, he clearly uh, didn't want to just, like, outright say someone random. And so he was like, oh, I don't know, probably someone else from my team. And they're like, well, who do you think from your team? And he said, Daniil Boot. He said he's called his shot and he was like this, this guy's really good you know maybe maybe they uh snag him and he's he looked really happy to see him get drafted yeah um yeah and it, it's so cool seeing that that connection between the players um you know just just kind of noteworthy in the third round um just a few picks apart columbus took uh william whitelaw and then, like six picks later, the Sharks took Brandon. Um, I don't even—I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Sir, S V O B O D A, Svoboda. Svoboda. I assume that's how it goes. That's a, um, that sounds close. He was—he was doing. Svoboda was doing his interview um, with the media, and then Whitelaw came over in the middle to give him like a big hug and hype him up because they're you know, good buddies play on the same team. So it's, it's exciting for these guys to, um, you know, be drafted together. And even right in the middle, Montreal took Jacob Fowler. So, you know, three good buddies who have played together for a couple of years, just rapid fire, boom, boom, boom. Three of them are now um, drafted to the NHL. So that's a pretty, uh, pretty cool moment for those three guys as well. Yeah, that's a uh, good, I hadn't heard about that one. Yeah, I saw a video. I was like, "That's that's just so cool to see 
that relationship between the players and see the excitement they have for each other. Uh, it, it's just great to see, you know, they've worked their whole lives to get to this moment and, you know, for it to pay off for not only them, but their close buddies, you know, all together like that. That's got to be such a great feeling for them. Yeah, there was a couple guys that uh, were interviewed and they were, you know, the people asking them the questions are like, did you think this would ever happen? And the guy, literally the question before had just said, well, yeah, you know, I've been I've been playing high level hockey since I was like five or six. And like, like my family moved here for a better hockey system when I was 11. And it's like, did you ever think you'd get drafted? It's like, I get that they do have to just kind of, you know, those are the questions you need to ask. But like, he he kind of was like, oh, yeah, well, it's incredible. But his eyes kind of said, well, yeah, I've it, I better get fucking drafted. I've been planning on this for a long time. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that it's again going back to Arizona with Simashev. That's what they needed. It's exactly what they got. So you know, it was a kind of an off the board pick, but it did address what the team needed. So yeah, and that could be a really, really good way to start up a new young core with a rebuilding team with two guys yeah. who not only look like they're going to be good, but know each other coming in. Exactly, yeah. All right, so at uh, seven, finally we get here. The Philadelphia yeah. Flyers take Matt Vimichkov. Yeah, and you know, it, it would have been... I really, really just wish that he didn't have those three years left on his KHL deal. Like, I really wish he, he could have been able, boom, right away to come to the NHL because I would have loved to see how the first round would have played out. Yeah. You know, obviously we knew Bedard was still going one, but then, like, does Michkov go two to Anaheim? And then, at that point, then, what does Columbus do? What does San Jose do? And, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I find it hard to believe he'd drop out of the top three if he was coming over this year. I honestly yeah. think he'd go number two. I, I think, I think it, have to. He looks I think really Anaheim would have got Michkov. I think Columbus still would have taken Fantilli. Um and then and then that's I think where the draft really heats up because I still I don't know whether San Jose would have you know still went with Will Smith or Leo Carson. I think they probably take Carlson. Um I would guess so, but it's I think it's I think on the soul, it sounds like they were high on Smith. Yeah, and again it's like, you know, I don't I don't know how much teams fully look into it or, you know, maybe it's just me, but, you know, San Jose's biggest prospect right now, um, aside from Will Smith now coming up, is William Eklund, um, you know, Swedish player. So I wonder if they would have looked at the route of, you know, another Swede and Carlson, you know, kind of bringing him in and pairing the two together, if that's something that, you know, would have been on their mind. Um, you know, we'll never know, but it would have been so exciting to just see how the you know, the top five would have played out um, if Michkov was able to come over right away. Yeah, that uh, it's it's too bad that he has to drop that low. But I mean, once he comes over, I think he's going to be absolutely incredible. Do you think he does stay over there for the entire three years? Well, that's a thing, right? Like it, it, he's made it very clear that his goal, his heart is set on coming to the NHL and competing with the best of the best. I don't like maybe the NHL can find a way to work something out to get him out of his deal. Um, but right now, I, I firmly believe that he is going to have to finish out 
those um those three years over in Russia. Could yeah, could very well I, change, but I I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. Yeah, I think I think with everything going on in Russia, it might be very difficult. But you know, if a decent opportunity arises, I you know it's hard to tell. Some people, you know, they don't they're not super close with their family. Some people have massive sprawling families, right? So and you know that's just unfortunately a conversation you have to have when it's like does he just want to kind of ditch and come over here well he could but you know does that put his family in danger so yeah you know if that's the case are you are you ready to at the drop of a hat move your whole family over here or are you just gonna wait it out a few years and i mean so he'll come to the nhl at what 21 22 like He'll still yeah. have so many years here. Oh, yeah. And then not only that, he's, you know, already an elite player over there in the KHL. Give him three more years. He's going to come over even better. And he's going to be on his entry-level deal for the next three years. Oh, my God. I so you're getting, a, you're getting a phenomenal player for three years on his, on his entry-level deal. Like, Yeah, knowing that you're going to get... Philly's got kind player. of that, you know, kind like, of three-year window to set it up for that. Yeah, that's that's actually really interesting. I never thought of that, that they like, they know he's coming over in three years and they know they're going to get a franchise player getting cl- at least close to his prime. Like, the, how often do you know you're getting that type of player in that time? Like, they can... They can sell the farm now and start building up prospects to be good at that point. You know, they can build everything around being good in two to three years. And then as soon as it happens, like they're ready to go. Yeah. And it's just going to be very interesting because we're already seeing, you know, Chicago kind of setting up their team the way they want to build it around Bedard. And he's going to be playing there. We're now going to be seeing Philadelphia build you know the team around Michkov but they don't even have him playing there yet they're they're building the team for when he eventually gets there yeah and then when he does get there they get him at league min for three years that'll yeah that'll be really interesting to see if they can put together a decent team before then yeah yeah that it's going to be very interesting to see how how that plays out for Philly there all right at uh eighth overall Washington Capitals take Ryan Leonard. Could have been a flyer, is, but it's a great pick for Washington. Absolutely. I mean, with with between Ryan Backer and Simashev, uh, it's kind of wild that he was still available at eight. Like there was nobody else that they could realistically take, really. Yeah, and and giving out um, you know, kind of draft awards, you know, if if I had to pick a player, um, from the draft who I could say has the most like dog in them, it would be Ryan Leonard. Like this dude is, he's such a good player. He plays such a great style of hockey. Like there's just so many good things to say about him. Yeah. Imagine, imagine putting this guy centering Tom Wilson. Like that'd just be disgusting. I think, uh, he, no, he's a winger Leonard. But I mean, oh, still, he? he's a right winger. Oh yeah, right, right winger. But I mean, still, if you can, you know, 
even if you've got Tom Wilson on one line, Leonard on the other, like that's like that's that's still two tough guys to to go up against and play against. So yeah, that's that's ruthless. Yeah, like, like that's a great pick for Washington. Not a whole lot to send it, other than really just a, a phenomenal great pick for them. Like I think he's going to be a great player for them for for a long time. All right, uh, for uh, a bit of uh, symmetry's sake, we'll go through the rest of the top ten. Although from here, I definitely know a little bit less about these guys. Uh, ninth overall, Detroit takes Nate Danielson. Again, yeah, this is an interesting because we talked before. I really thought um, that this pick was going to be traded. Yeah, you know, I thought it, I thought maybe someone was going to be, you know, done. Um, then there, what was it? I think we talked about maybe Detroit going after a guy potentially like UC Saros, you know, I think to solidify their goaltending. But now yeah. it was very clear that Nashville was, Saros was not on the block. It was Askarov instead. Um, but th- this was a great pick for Detroit, you know. Um, th- I think, yeah, so Danielson here, he was the second guy drafted from the from the WHL. You know, he's a, He's a pretty tall yeah. guy. He's he's six two. Like he puts up great points. Um, you know, I I don't know his play style as well the as well as the other guys, but you know, he's a great center who he kind of looks like he can do it all. Um, he's probably I would say it. I would say give him two years before he makes a jump to the NHL. But when he does, he's going to be a, a great addition to that center core for for Detroit behind Larkin. Yeah, I think I think he looks like he's going to be pretty good. Uh just uh jump on to what you were saying about uh the Predators. I was yeah, I was shocked to hear that they were looking to trade Askarov cuz I'm I'm hearing a lot of conflicting reports around of like Nashville, you know, obviously look at some of the moves that uh Trotz has already made. They want they want uh to go towards a rebuild. But then also there's Quite a few people who are like they're looking to get good now. They you know want to try and stay competitive while they have Roman Yossi. So it's um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do the rest of this off season. Yeah, and it, so it, it came out um, earlier today that Nashville had originally included Askarov in a package with other pieces. I'm not sure what they were. I'm assuming the 15th overall pick. Um, would have been involved, or maybe even the 24th, which Nashville also had, um, to try and move up to four, um, make a trade with San Jose for four, or Montreal um, for number five. Um, Yeah. Actually, just another trade there that we didn't touch on. San Jose did trade a six-round pick for the RFA rights for Mackenzie Blackwood um, from the Devils, which I think for San Jose, I think that's a great trade. Um, I mean, a sixth-round pick. Like, why not? Blackwood's, uh, you know, he, he's got he's got skill. Like he's a good goalie. It's just the injury problems have have really gotten to him. Um, and you know what? To take a risk on a guy that could maybe be a good goalie for you for for the next ten years is worth a sixth-round pick. You know, I don't know if it's going to pan out. But then, you know, getting a guy like Askarov made no sense for them. Montreal, I could yeah. kind of see it. But like we said, they really needed to address that hole on their defense. And so they had to go with with getting a defenseman yeah. high in the draft there. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
you know, it's definitely hard to get the, you know, the Shesterkins, the Vasilevskis right about now, but it's not, in t it's not too incredibly hard if you have the trade pieces to at least get yourself a serviceable starter. So yeah. I definitely think getting, getting a good solid defenseman was probably the way to go. Yeah, for, for Montreal. Sure. And then uh, to round out the top 10, who did uh, St. Louis take again? Dalibor uh, Dvorsky. Dvorsky, yeah. Again, I don't know too much about him. I had him... Um... Actually, I think that's kind of right around where I, ha I had him, going around in the 10 spot. Uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's a very skilled centerman. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys, again, that I think takes a couple years to to come over but when he does he, he's gonna be a, a good solid centerman for the blues um as they're you know very clearly now uh in the rebuild or yeah, or maybe re retooling if that's the way they're doing it yeah i would call it a bit of a retool since they haven't traded too many of their uh young players yet like they still clearly have quite a few guys there that they want to build the team around yeah. Like, uh, you know, Rob Thomas, uh, Jordan Cairo. But uh, they're definitely yeah. looking to change the direction the team has been for the last two years. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, any any more notab notable picks in the first round that you wanted to uh, to touch up on here? Uh, just a just a few in the teens here. I know. Uh, you were pretty high on uh, Buffalo's pick of Zach Benson. Yeah, that was a, overall. Yeah, like again, you know, we talk about Buffalo. Um, they're really starting to take off as a team, and this doesn't, you know, we we saw them last year really make a push and show that they're, um, you know, ready to take that next step. They're right on the cusp of getting back into the playoffs, and. <clears throat> I mean, like I'm I'm just pulling it up here because it's it's just mind blowing. Like, you know, when you look at their core, they've got now like on defense, they've got Owen Power and Dolly, and you've got your that's your two studs like, on the blue line for the next 15 years. Up front, you know, you've got Alex Tuck, who's really turned into a just a beast for them. Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, um, to just name a few, and then you still got you know. Um, all these great prospects like Jack Quinn, Jack Quinn, JJ Katurka, um, Isaac Rosen, and then even last year they had three first round picks where they got Matthews. Um, how do you pronounce Savoy? That? Savoy, Savoy, yeah. yeah. And Matthew Savoy played with Zach Benson in Winnipeg last year, and then they also have Noah Ostland and Yuri Kulich. So like they're right on the the cusp of making the playoffs and you've got so many great young prospects coming up. Like they're going to have to make some crazy moves because they don't have room for all these guys. Yeah. Like they're, not they're, to they mention such Devin a... Levi in, uh, in net. Anyway. Like, yeah. Got... I mean, yeah. Like, like they, they also got the, the goalie locked in. Like you get, you give these guys a couple years to grow. They're, they're going to be a mean looking team. Yeah, it's. I just love the way that Buffalo has been just building and growing this team, you know, over over recent years, and it's 
holy shit, is it going to pay off pretty dang soon for them? Also, even, you know yeah. what? Casey Middlestat, you know, I kind of, I've kind of shit on him, um, you know, it, in previous years, but last year, I mean, just had a breakout year, 59 points in 82 games. Like, you know, if he's the real deal, like he, he was drafted eighth overall, if he can be a legit eighth overall pick, I mean, like watch out for Buffalo. Like they're, they're going to be a scary team pretty soon here. And Zach yeah. Benson just really adds on to that for them. Uh, the only re- uh, other one I really wanted to talk about was uh, Braden Yeager going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Did you see, uh, at 14th overall, he went to them. Did you see the video of him getting a call from Crosby backstage? I did, yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, you know, whether you're, you know, a, a Flyers fan, a Capitals fan, uh, whoever, you know, you can't hate Sidney Crosby, man. The guy just dude, he's impossible oozes, oozes pure class. Um, you know, as great as he's been for as long as he has, he's never gotten that that ego or anything. He's always been so humble, like just just an all around yeah. great guy. And and what a great way to just you know really make a guy like Jaeger feel at home. Yeah, the that video is so wild because he's so not expecting it. He's standing there talking to like some reporter and there's a couple other, you know, suits uh, listening to them talk. And then some dude just kind of pushes through holding a phone out. And he's just, hey, Sidney Crosby's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. And this guy's like, yeah. what the fuck? I'm, I'm just standing here talking to these people. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I just had like the, one of the crazy experiences of my life getting drafted out there. And you just walk up to me with a phone saying Sid's on the line. Like that had to be so surreal. Yeah. Oh, honestly, yeah. Like that that would have been like that must have been just such a cool moment for him. And really just make him feel just so much more at ease and you know, knowing you got a guy like Sidney Cross being your corner rooting for you and excited for you is just just gotta mean the world to him. Yeah. I mean, especially with a team like Pittsburgh, you get drafted there. One of your first yeah. thoughts has to be, dude, this is Crosby's team. I'm going to be in Sidney Crosby's locker room. So to be backstage like 10 minutes later and, and already, you know, somebody's like, hey, he's calling. He wants to talk to you personally. That's got to be so, so cool. Like the first time he meets him, he's already got to be like feeling like this guy's so fucking cool. Like, yeah, this guy actually cares. And he like is building or has built over the past 15 years, an insane culture. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, even one thing, just talking about Braden Jaeger, um, you know, for, for anyone who, who just loves hockey content in general, um, if you're on social media a lot, check out a guy named uh, Mike Bartner. He, he's an Islanders fan, but he does just, just hockey content in general. Um, phenomenal stuff. He, he made a video which I thought was really interesting. Um, cause we, we've kind of seen now, you know, uh, especially right now more than ever with, um, Calgary and Winnipeg where we're not, we're not seeing players who want to stay there. Like it, yeah. it's just not a desirable market for a lot of players. A lot of guys just don't want to commit there. And he brought up the idea of like, you know, a guy like Brayden Yeager, do they make a move to try and maybe move up in the draft and get a guy? Cause Yeager, um, so he plays for the Moose Jaw Warriors. 
but he he's actually from Saskatoon, so kind of right in the middle between Calgary and Winnipeg. And he brought the idea of like, you know, do you, do you make a big move to try and go out and get a guy like him who's from the area so you've got a better chance of him really wanting to stick around long term. Right. And I was like, you know, that that I, I would have been very curious to see if Jaeger fell a few more picks if Calgary or Winnipeg would have gotten them and how that would have looked, you know, in, in years down the road. Because um, I guess another trade even, we totally forgot, Tyler Toffoli got traded to New Jersey for Sharon Govich in a third. Like, yeah. Like Calgary's top goal scorer and, you know, point guy last year for a third line player in a third round pick. Like that's, you know, like it's, that that would have been cool to see how that would have progressed if, you know, kind of a more local guy was with one of those two teams, how that would have, um, how that would have progressed in the future. If he would have been more open to, you know, signing an eight year deal and really committing himself to, to one of those franchises. Yeah, that would that that would definitely be a interesting move to see because that might be how like how teams like Calgary and the Jets and those you know they might have to start looking at things like they've just been both been like decent but middling for so long and they're not getting the high enough draft picks to get better like they're kind of both doing what Minnesota has done uh, for the 10 years before they had uh, Kaprizov come in. Uh, yeah. The only difference being it's also cold as fuck up here. I mean, it's not exactly warm in Minnesota, but you know, it seems yeah. like a lot of players are more inclined to go to the to not Canadian markets. Yeah, for sure. Um, just also something that I thought was just kind of a fun little uh, tidbit of trivia here. Um, so with that Toffoli trade, they, so the, the Flames traded Toffoli for Sharon Govich and a third round pick this year, which was 80th overall. Right. So that draft pick originally belonged to the Calgary Flames. They traded oh. it last year to Seattle at the deadline for Callie Yarncrock. And then last off season, it got traded to Columbus for Oliver Bjorkstrand. Then it got traded just a couple weeks ago to the New Jersey Devils for Damon Severson. And now it got traded back to Calgary for in part of that Tyler Toffoli trade. That's, so that's in, wild. In, in a little bit over a year, that, that draft pick bounced from... Uh, it started with the Flames, bounced through three different teams and ended up back with Calgary just days before the draft. That's kind of wild because out of all those players you named, I would say like only Cal Yarncroke really is a a guy that I would trade for a for a third round pick. The rest of those guys are kind of better than a third round picks worth I, I of value. The, I think all I know of a lot Bjork of them are. I think there was more involved. Yeah, I think Bjork Bjorkstrand was a bit of a I believe a cap dump in that situation, yeah. or maybe I'm thinking about somebody else. You know, but, it, it uh, was you know that. There's that, you know, Severson was uh, clearly on the way out. You know, that was just for his rights. Uh, yeah. Toffoli doesn't want to resign. So there, there's definitely outside factors. But considering yeah. it's a third round pick, it was involved in a lot of trades with pretty good players. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I was just curious. So I just pulled up uh, uh, your uh, Sharon Govich's stats here. Honestly, yeah. I don't know if this is as bad of a trade for Calgary as people think it is. I definitely think they could have got more. But uh, two years ago, uh, he had in six, 76 games, he had 24 goals and 46 points, which isn't bad but at all. He, and then he last was year, he had used at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I looked it up. He on, first was he on was, the he was, third line this year? Yeah. He might have even okay. been down to the fourth line, honestly. But well, I know I mean, that he was his first, first year line, when... Pretty good numbers. I know his first year when he goals. put up good numbers, he, he was playing with Jack Hughes. Right. Yeah, 75 games, 30 points with thir- only 13 goals this past year. So, you know, definitely a step down. So that would explain it, you know, not playing with Hughes. But that's uh, that's definitely a guy that I think has some talent and could, uh, if he's playing with the right players, he could be good. I've also heard that he's a great penalty killer. I haven't, I definitely haven't seen too much of him playing uh, personally, but I've heard that he's a good penalty killer as well. He, he is a good penalty killer guy. Like he'll, he'll be a good, you know, again, like third liner for Calgary. Like if you've got a guy like Sharon Govich in your top six, that's, not really great for a team trying to compete for the cup. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not to say he's a bad player, but he's just, he, he's not what a Tyler Toffoli was for you. Yeah. Um, he's, he's really one of yeah. those guys that uh, where you play him in the lineup kind of shows what team you are. If you've got him in the top six, it's kind of like maybe you're in a rebuilder. You're come, trying to get back up to that compete level. And if he's on your third line, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this is a team with some depth. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I, I just got one more one more uh pick here really to kind of cover before before I think I'm I'm good with with kind of wrapping it yep. up here. Yep. Um go for it. So the Toronto Maple Leafs. So for anyone who doesn't know, so Brad Tree Living wasn't allowed to join Toronto um for the draft until Calgary made their pick at sixteen. So after Calgary made their pick at 16, then Tree Living was able to hop in with Toronto and start grinding out, uh, you know, what they're going to do in any moves that they might want to make. Was Tree Living and, with Calgary at the draft? Like, was he sitting with them or was he just not allowed to until they were no, done? No, yeah, because he, he's already been fired. Like, he's already with Toronto. Um, he just, because Calgary didn't want him, like, leaking any of their plans that they've talked about throughout the season. So he had to wait until Calgary made their pick before he could join. Um, so I don't know what he was doing. Maybe, maybe just sitting in a back room, just hanging out, waiting. Yeah. Sitting in the Um, green room. So Toronto took Easton Cowan from the London Knights, which from pretty much everybody I've seen who, you know, throws out grades for the draft gave this pick. I think the highest I saw was a D and I got all the way down to an F minus because it was, it was just such a reach, such an, out of the blue pick not like not to say he's a bad player but there was so much more potential on the table for toronto to take so they which, took him in the first was it in the first round or second yeah uh, 28th overall which was the pick they got from boston in the um sandine trade oh man and you got dude sandine was good you got to try and hit with that pick 
Yeah. And so now, which brings me to the point that I think is really interesting because it, it kind of goes back to Brad tree living from Toronto to Calgary and, you know, kind of his, his drafting history. Um, so the Calgary flames since the 2017 draft. So from 2017 up to this year, but not including the, the 2023 draft. So that's 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So six, six drafts. The yeah. Calgary Flames drafted 29 players throughout, throughout those six years. Quite a few players. 29 players. Between those players, how many NHL games do you think they played combined? All 29 of those players in the NHL. NHL games played. Okay. Well, surely at least like three or four of them have made it. I mean, you'd like to think more. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with like 200, but like, I feel like it, it should definitely be more. You ready for the number? Yeah. You're going to think this is bullshit, by the way. I was, I was worried that I did that thing where I like, put my number way too low and you're like, oh, well, yeah, it is like 200, but you should have guessed like 800 or something. Like, I think 200 is already low, but like, that's what I figure it like, pro- my, it's probably around. Sorry. Sorry. It's not, not, sorry, not counting the 2017 draft. So after that year, yeah. um, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. But it should still, still be but still, 29 players. Yeah. It should still be around like 200. That's a lot of guys. 26. 26 games. Are you, are you ready for I mean, the... How many different the, players? Three. <laughs> and 24 of them are by Jacob uh, Peltier. And the other two is Matt Coronado and Dustin Wolf. Each and played Wolf. one game, which was at the very end of this past season against San Jose. Great game to be at. Chris Sutter is a legend. 20. Oh, is he ever? I hope, I hope he sticks around. Chris Sutter, if you're so. listening, please stick around for the Flames. You're, you're better than Harvey the Hound at hyping the crowd up. And it's not even close. He, he's more of a reason to go than the Flames on ice product at this point. And I don't even think that's wrong. a bad thing. I don't even think that's a burn on, on the on ice product. I think he's just that no. entertaining. Yeah. But like 29 players, you've got 26 games out of them so far. But 24 is from one singular player. So again, yeah. you know, it brings up the, the topic of like, is that poor drafting by, you know, Tree Living and his guys that he had there? Or is it poor development, you know? I was going to say, because I... Flames, like it's... If I draft a good young player, and I don't know what the quality of these players have been, but if I draft a good young player and then my coach is Daryl Sutter. I'm yeah. probably fairly reluctant to want to bring him up. Like, yeah, and, and, and I, I wonder, don't if, I wonder if we're going to see like four or five rookies come up and get a chance with the team now yeah. uh, this next year. And we'll actually get to see what the prospect pool and some of these fringe NHL guys or some of their better AHL players, what they look like. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't even think it's a, I don't think it's got anything to do with Calgary's development because I mean, Dustin Wolf was a seventh round pick, and now he's probably arguably the best goalie prospect 
in the NHL right now. So I don't even know if it's arguably at this point. Hasn't he won like AHL goalie of the year two years in a row? Like, yeah, I think he literally like just won MVP. Did he not? Yeah, he's like, like he's got a shocking amount of accolades considering he's played that one NHL game, which he looked yeah. good in. Yeah, like he, 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 yeah, like there's, there's yeah, not much worse. Like to he's move out Vladar for him for room. Yeah, but you know, I mean, but then now look at Tree Living though. He's now with uh, Toronto, and he makes another pick that's pretty, pretty head scratching for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe in five years we're going. Wow, what a galaxy brain genius! But yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't he, he doesn't happen too often. Could be a be a great player, but like just when you look at some of the guys that were still still available at that time, it's it makes you wonder. Like, is that really the really really the guy? But I mean, you, you never know, right? Yeah, you know, a lot of people they want to say things like uh, was. Uh, was this pick, you know, good at this time? But also, you know, uh, draft picks are magic beans. You don't know what you're getting, right? But, you know, exactly. we all look back on, at the same time, we all look back at Boston in 2015 and we're like, even back then we knew, geez, probably take Barzell, probably, you know, take Kyle Connor, you know, all those guys who went like right afterwards. That do you know what the, you know what the funny thing is? Good. Do you know what the funny thing is? Is What's I can... That? Is so like there's there's a feature with with Twitter where you can go back and like you can type in a, in a search bar and you can bring up your old tweets and whatnot. Yeah, I had I had I think it was like five or six tweets back in 2015 um, <laughs> during during the draft, like just screaming and praying that at ninth overall the Sharks would have taken Barzell, which they ended up taking Timo Meyer, who was still a phenomenal pick but like i i was i was so sure that they were going to take barzell with uh with that pick at number nine and then i was shocked oh, he fell all, all the way down to uh to 16 yeah man like god can you imagine the boston team like they just won 65 games this year like could you imagine if that team had some of the talent that was well, in that, that draft and still yeah. available the, the three picks taken afterwards, all, but... the three picks right after was Kyle Connor, Barzell, and Shabbat. Like, yeah, even if they like take immediately those three, like, yeah, that team would be absolutely nuts. They, they would have had, they would have at least won the cup and uh, over the Blues that year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Under, don't know, under don't the, know exactly where assumption. the team would be at now, but because again, yeah, you would have had to pay those guys. You know, still get those players like the team now, but they have those yeah. players instead of you know Zach Senishin or whoever. Yeah, you know it's hard. It's hard to look back and nothing. be like, what exactly would the team look like? Because you know, then you get into cap implications, and then well, if they had him, he would have been good. So they'd have to trade somebody else. So exactly, it's hard to right. look at it too realistically. Yeah, because yeah, there would have been a lot of moving pieces, but. What what always you know Boston fans are always gonna wonder what what could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. I th I think it. You know, just kind of based on what you know, if you had to pick a, a winner from the draft, who would you pick? Like just a team. It's. Oh, it's gotta be hard 
not to go with um, Columbus. Having, hey, having a, me too. Yeah, having a guy like Fan, having a guy like Fantilli drop to you at third is is wild. Like, there's there's a reason you go online and everyone in Columbus is so freaking excited, and everyone in Anaheim is like nervously excited. Like, yeah. God, I hope you know well, Carlson's going to be good, but I hope Fantilli doesn't make us really regret this. And and even uh, going to what we talked about um before, you know, teams taking two players. They took Fantilli third overall, and then their uh, first pick they had in the second round, they took Gavin Brindley, who also played for Michigan with Fantilli. There you go, and I bet they both know Kent Johnson and you know whoever else they have. Like, yep. they have. They have a lot of good-looking prospects, oh. too. You know, Sillinger and Juracek. Yeah. Even That's, um, that's going to be their, a good team. Even their third-round pick, Whitelaw, and their fourth-round pick, Stramman, they're both from um, the same team in the USHL, the Youngstown Phantoms. So, And then they also took a really good player in Luca um, Pinelli in the fourth round. So... Yeah, that'll. I I think that's I think that's an underratedly important thing to uh, try and you know obviously don't dismantle your team for it, but getting teams with good chemistry already before they even get into the league. Yeah, like um, that that could be huge. And this the the guy they took with their first pick in the fourth round, Andrew um, Strathman. He's a defenseman. But they were talking about it during the draft. One of his talks, because, you know, kind of one of the common player, um, like questions players are asked, you know, before the draft, why not, is, you know, if, for whatever reason, if, if, you know, hockey doesn't turn out to be a professional career for you, what would you want to be? And this yeah. guy said, I, I want to be a surgeon. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's you, you got a pretty smart guy there you just drafted on, on defense. Also, yeah. um, the, these guys don't get love, so I'm going to do it. Shout out to, uh, actually, Columbus traded their seventh round pick next year, I believe, to Vegas for the um, final pick in the draft this year, 224th overall. Um, and they took Tyler Petal, Petal, who was actually still there at the draft. Like, he waited throughout all of you know, day one, all of day two to finally be drafted um, with the very Yo. last pick. So, so shout out to him as well. That's got to be so cool. He's always got to show he, love he to those guys. He didn't go up on stage, right? They probably don't do the whole stage. No, he just, he like just walks down and shakes hands with the guys, throws a jersey on and goes about his... Hey, that's, st that's still pretty cool. Yeah, because there's lots of guys who, um, you know, kind of leave and then they just get a call from their agent and be like, hey, like... You got drafted, but he he stuck it out all the way till the very ending. Like, got rewarded with with being drafted there right at the end. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I would give Columbus about, a big uh, winner for sure. Did you hear about uh, David Poyle's last last trade as a GM? No, I didn't. I um, did not. I'm gonna try and remember uh, remember the names. Never mind. I found an article. Uh, 
so he traded uh david poyle traded uh the predators seventh rounder for next year yeah uh, for this year's uh seventh rounder from the devils a uh, trade between uh him david poyle and tom fitzgerald who was a player that uh poyle drafted uh like I think it was like 29 years oh, ago in the seventh yeah. round when That's he was right. a GM. Yeah. And now that guy has gone through his career and is now a GM of another team. And so, you know, going out, he just, they just swapped seventh rounders. Yeah. To, uh, oh, for that to be cool. his last trade. That was cool. I, I really like that. I, as much as I like that, the one I wish happened more is we saw, um, uh, so today, Patrick Hornquist announced his retirement um, from hockey because he suffered two more concussions this year. Ooh. And I, th- I, you know, because again, like talking about the very last pick of the draft, I thought that would have been cool if Poyle's final trade would have been just trading future considerations for Hornquist so he could have retired um, as a member of the Predators and then, you know, coming back and the guy Poyle took a chance on with the very final pick. Um in in whatever year, I think it was like 2005 or six or something or something like that, uh, to bring him back so he could retire as a predator would have been kind of cool. But I also like that one yeah. of trading with a, a a guy that he drafted who's now a GM. That that's a very cool uh, very cool finish to his career. Yeah, and I mean like somebody had to make a trade at some point. My God, nobody made a trade on day one of the draft. That's, that was the first time, the last time that's happened. I think 2005 or six or something they're saying, maybe 2007. Like it's been a yeah. while since there was not a single trade at all on, on day one. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's too bad because I mean, obviously, you know, you know, business, you can't make trades if you don't have trades to make, but it sucks. You know, everyone's watching, you know, and wanting to hear, uh, you know, Batman or whoever go up front and say, there has been a trade. You know, uh, yeah. when they had the draft in Montreal, people were in the crowd, absolutely lost their minds when he first announced that there had been a trade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, for, just for the sheer entertainment value, it would have been nice. But yeah, exactly, they don't got a right. trade. They don't got a trade, I suppose. Yeah. But I think that uh, that kind of wraps up our, our kind of coverage of the draft here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that was... Uh... That was a good uh, little short episode we planned on doing. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, just that's just that's two, how it goes. Just two things I want to quickly plug in for for everybody to kind of watch because you know, as we know, on Saturday now here, um, free agency um, begins in the NHL. I feel if if, if they're gonna happen, which I'm, it seems like it's very clear they are. We are gonna see probably two at least two monster trades happen. Because I believe that's probably when we're going to see Alex DeBrinkit get traded. Right. And and Eric Carlson. You think it's going it, to happen that soon? Well, so if, if, if you think about it, though, you know, teams have their cap space that they got to work with on day one of free agency. But you need to know what you're working with. So you can't go out and sign, you know, player A, B, and C... And then, and then you've got no cap space to work with for a potential trade for, you know, Debrinket, who's, you know, going to want however much, and then Carlson, however much gets retained. 
um, it's still going to be a lot of money on Carlson regardless. So these teams are going to have to, you know, they, they could even happen tomorrow for all we know um, on the Friday beforehand, but teams are going to have to make those moves for those guys and know then, you know, the cap, like the, you know, the, their salary and how much they're paying them and how much that affects their cap. So they know what they're working with when signing, um, you know, whatever free agents they have their eyes on. Yeah, that uh, that does make a lot of sense. It's just, I think we're, you know, I think if it, we we know, um, DeBrinkett's getting traded regardless. You know, yeah. it sounds like an Eric Carlson trade is like ninety nine percent sure going to happen. He's made it very clear he wants to, you know, win now to, while he, he's, he wants to get it. He wants to, and, get and it's out. not going like, to happen with the Sharks the next it. couple years. And you can't blame the guy at all. Um, so I feel like you know we're going to see those trades happen sooner rather than later. I think. Yeah, and I I like to hope that he doesn't regret uh, signing that extension in San Jose because as much as the pat you know people talk about his time be- there not being good or being a waste or something, I mean they made the finals in what was it 2016, 2017? Well, Carson wasn't on the team at the time. Was he not? I thought they had him that year. No. I thought that was the year they traded for him. No, so the year they got him, they went to, and and I I, I still say it. They probably win the cup that year, their first year with Carlson, um, which was the year they lost to the Blues in um, the, the Western Conference final. But I believe it was like they, they just had so many injuries, like Pavelski was out. Um, I think even Carlson wasn't able to play the final couple games like they, they just had so many injuries on that team of so many big players that like. There, yeah. there, there, there wasn't much hope for the team at that point. Um, so it made sense for him to sign at the time, but now looking at it, it's like, it's like yikes for him. But I have, I have a feeling he's he's but gonna get moved to exactly. I think he's gonna get moved to a destination that that he wants to go to. Um, I've heard. I I really don't think it's gonna happen. I'm like ninety nine percent sure it won't. I think I know what you're gonna say, but go but there it. is there's rumors that. Well, he's already said he he's fine going back to Columbus, or not Columbus. Sorry, fuck Ottawa, because that's you know where he where he grew kind of grew up as a, a young NHLer. He's got lots yeah. of family there, so it's like, do you see like a Carlson for DeBrinket swap? Maybe, but it sounds like DeBrinket's pretty set on going to um, Detroit or Dallas. So probably won't happen, but it's it's something mm. to keep an eye on that. Maybe DeBrinket's part of a package going back to maybe you see a, a three team trade. trade. Maybe you see like a you know Carlson ends up in Ottawa, um, DeBrinket ends up in uh, Detroit or Dallas, and then San Jose is kind of that that third team that gets you know that just gets all the all the picks, like, all the prospects for exactly it, right. So yeah. it's something to keep an eye on on uh, uh, you know over the next couple of days and if it all happens or not, which would be really cool yeah, to see if a three team trade happens. That probably, yeah. I mean, if DeBrinket and Carlson are involved, that's probably got to be like the biggest three-team trade ever, I would say. It's got to yeah, be up there, at I, least. It definitely got to be up there. I can't think of, it's hard to specifically think of three-team trades, but uh, that aren't just retention, at least. Yeah, but, exactly right. Yeah, it would. Uh, that would be an absolute blockbuster. I've heard some people say, and uh, there's no way. 
but I've heard that people say that Toronto's interested in him. And like, I get yeah. why they would want him, but makes dude, no sense. Dude, you think people are upset about the money the big four are making? Yeah, let's add Eric Carlson and his contract to not, that. Like, even if he's only, great for them, that's, that's too much money, man. They already not have only the that, issue of too many but, contracts. Yeah, but not only that, you, you know, once July 1st starts, they can sign Matthews and Nylander to extensions. They're both going to get a pay raise, especially Nylander. And then the following summer, then they can crack down extensions with Tavares and Marner. So it's like you bring in Carlson, you know, you, you've got a very, very realistic chance of winning the cup um, next year. But after that, like you're, you're in cap yeah. hell. And Absolutely. not only that, to make the numbers work, San Jose would have to retain a decent amount of Carlson's contract, but that's for another four that, years. So you're going to have to give up like a that, lot. That doesn't come cheap. No, it does not come cheap. No. You know, if San Jose no. was to retain e- even two mil, you know, you're still he's, he's still sitting at nine million dollars, right? So it's like, yeah, it's, Tor- it's Toronto just makes no sense. But I've heard that uh, Dallas and Carolina are sniffing around, and like a Carlson Burns reunion in Carolina would be kind of sick. But like, it would be. We also, would we also be know cool. they don't necessarily work together because. They they're both the number one right-handed offensive defenseman. Like, yeah. you know, Carlson. Look at it. Carlson's first year without Burns. Can hundred points, points. Norris Trophy. Like you, you can't argue with the results. I was just, I was talking to my wife uh, about it earlier, uh, either earlier today or yesterday. Uh, but she was wondering if you know was there is there a chance uh, in any world where if other teams retain if we get Carlson in Tampa, and even if, you know, San Jose, for some reason, retained 50% and another team retained uh, another 50% and we could make it cap-wise work, like, yeah, he, we just have too many good defensemen. He, he has to be the number one guy wherever he's going. And, and also that, I just, you know, I mean, you know more about, you know, what Tampa Bay's kind of got in the system. I don't even know if Tampa's got the, the resources to give up for for a guy like Carlson, especially it, with, with salary retained. No, I, I mean, could they like, literally make it work? Probably. It would, involve, it would definitely involve some roster players. It, it would have I to. I would but... think it would have to start probably with Hagel, I think. Yeah. And I think see, Hagel that's, that's where our conversation kind of ends as well, right? Like, yeah. Because I think Hagel is probably going to be a big part of Tampa's... Um, you know, future moving forward. So yeah, I cannot wait. I just don't for July first. I want to see him resign that day. And God, I hope it's for a good deal. But I hope even more that it's for a long time. I think, yeah. I, I and you know, even Ottawa, like you know, they've got Chikrin and Shabbat. Like they are both left-handed. But I think from the teams that I've heard that are interested, um, I think the two best fits are either Dallas or Seattle. Are, are, I think are, he could be huge two. for Seattle. Yeah, I think that would I, like, be a great he would, fit for He would him. clearly be the guy. Like, it's kind of tough, like a big, big L for Vince Dunn. But even on Dallas, you know, you know, kind of getting that connection back with, with Pavelski. Um, you know, having a top pair of Carlson and Heiskanen is just gross. Um, 
but I, yeah, I think Seattle, Seattle, Seattle's like the the best fit for him. Yeah, where he can still really thrive and be the guy, and not, you know, kind of be be back and forth with with someone else. Yeah, not to mention it's you know what he wants. He'd be in a a good team that looked like they they got to a really close game seven in the second round this year against Dallas after beating out the defending cup champs in a game seven in round one. And they're only going to get better. They got, they got young guys coming up. They got Maddie Beneers, you know, when Shane Wright eventually makes that jump. And, and like Seattle is, um, in, in my mind, the second biggest winner in the draft, like not including Chicago because obviously Bedard and whatnot. I was like, like I, I Chicago, don't include them because we knew. Yeah. We, like they they obviously win. They got Bedard. Seattle's probably the the next biggest winner after Columbus. I would say they smash the draft. So yeah, you know I, th- I think adding Carlson there would make Seattle like an instant, you know, right up their uh, uh, top contender. Yeah, you just gotta wonder if they have the uh, assets to make it work. Oh, and we oh they do. Seattle definitely does. Seattle's probably. Well, I would say them and Ottawa, out of the teams interested, probably have the most assets um, to give up if if they want to get Carlson. Right. Yeah, I definitely think I definitely think those are two of the most realistic possibilities. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up here. We yeah, might end a, up uh, chopping marathon. this into two bits because that's a. Uh, how how much time are we at? Uh, quite long. We're 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 pushing on. We're we're probably at about. I think we're like in, at about an hour forty five, give or take. So yeah, we might. Is uh, a marathon there? Yeah, we might uh, chop this up into two pieces and then just you know go a Friday and maybe we'll give them a bonus Saturday upload or something. Yeah, we'll 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 see. We'll figure. We'll it see. Out. We'll see. We got lots coming up over the next uh, you know couple weeks, so there there will be lots of content we'll be pumping out here. Yeah, once once the next regular season starts, you know, we'll be putting out our consistent videos on uh, on Fridays and uh, maybe we'll add a second day if we feel the need to. But uh, during the off season, I figure maybe we'll start putting up videos just like, you know, like July 2nd and we'll talk about July 1st, you know, whatever day yeah. of the week that lands on just to keep For some sure, of that yeah. uh, some of that gossip fresh. Exactly, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if you're still around after all that, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you in the next one.